3: Welcome into to Daily Faceoff Live, your go-to source for everything hockey.
2: Live every weekday at noon Eastern.
4: What's up, everybody? Welcome in to a Thursday, December 22nd edition of Daily Faceoff Live. We're streaming live on Twitter, YouTube, as well as, of course, DailyFaceoff.com. He is Daily Faceoff's associate editor and prospect analyst, Stephen Ellis. Steven, we're a couple days away from the Christmas break. How you doing? How are you holding up?
3: I'm doing good. Getting ready to go to Leafs in uh, Philadelphia. I love school day games. I love afternoon games. I wish we had more of them.
4: Yeah, a matinee on a Thursday, 2 p.m., a good reminder for everyone. Hockey in the afternoon, so you'll get to enjoy that in just a little bit after we wrap up our show. But first, let's throw two minutes and 30 seconds up on the clock and let's whip our way around the NHL, starting with the Florida Panthers. Is it time for panic in Pantherland? And I ask that because I know that the Panthers went into this season thinking that they were not going to duplicate the success that they had of their 122 point season last year, but it's sort of shocking to see the Panthers even still after the seismic changes that were made to their roster in the summer, exactly where they are in the standings, which is in 12th place in the Eastern conference. And Steven, I'm not exactly good at math, but... The math begins to get a little bit fuzzy for the Florida Panthers at this point. On pace for 82 points, exactly 500 in points percentage. They basically need to play 700, or sorry, 670 hockey the rest of the way down the stretch, a record somewhere in the neighborhood of, let's say, 29, 13, and 6 to close out the year, give or take, to get to 96 points and get in the playoffs. That's basically the way some division leaders have played to this point in the season, and they need to continue that out for the last 50-some games of the year. Can they do it? What's your level of concern for the Panthers and being maybe the first President's Trophy team in history to then miss the playoffs the following year?
3: So I was concerned right off the bat with this team. Uh, obviously, going out there and getting Kachuk was a huge deal, but having to trade away Huberto, having to trade away uh, uh trying a blank on the defenseman's name um but Mackenzie Weger uh, Mackenzie Weger yes uh those are two pieces that are hard to replace and you see what Huberto and and um Barkov were able to do for so long and then you get rid of one of your most important defensemen and you don't really fill that spot I was concerned from the start uh of course there's always questions about the goaltending when Bobrovsky when he's on his game he's outstanding and he was last year when he's not on his game we kind of see these complete stinkers of a season like he's having now and spencer knight hasn't been able to go out there and kind of take away uh the pain there so this is a team where there are some underperforming elements specifically net uh you know uh, matthew kachuk he's the top scorer so he's been a good little piece there uh they've had to deal with injuries this year so you can't totally avoid that but i think that the depth has been an issue i know i was really high on them signing colin white this summer i thought this was a guy who had a lot of talent and that, uh didn't kind of fit in ottawa but he was going to go there maybe play another big role and he hasn't been able to do that and of course they haven't had duclair yet this year so um i, I was concerned about the team's depth and right now it's kind of showing that uh, if the top guys aren't going out there and blowing anyone's minds and kachuk being the only guy that's got at least a point per game at this point <coughs> with a few guys still kind of like a little bit short uh yeah i am concerned about this team they still have some time it is like the halfway point of the season but they, like you're saying they got to play almost kind of perfect hockey going forward and i'm not sure they're capable of that
4: yeah i'm I'm not sold that they are either and two things to point out in addition to what you said one sasha barkov clearly has not looked like himself six on the team in points and i know that he's missed a handful of games and i don't know if it's the sort of chemistry that's been taken away and not necessarily on ice but off ice as well missing a guy like huberto who's been there from the start with him And also you hit on it, the goaltending and the goals against only one team in the entire Eastern Conference has given up more goals to this point than the Florida Panthers. And that is the Columbus Blue Jackets. And that's not any company that you'd like to be sharing a third of the way through the season for the reigning President's Trophy winners. Let's move on to the Detroit Red Wings, who picked up another win, and they're now 2-0 against the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning this season as they uh, blasted the Bolts. But I wanted to shed a little light on, not in a negative perspective, but what's going on with Moritz Seider, the reigning Calder Trophy winner, a guy who burst onto the scene last year with not just a 50-point season, but also threw some thunderous checks and was such looking like such a big part of the Detroit Red Wings and their blue line moving forward. He's really struggled this year, at least certainly in terms of the points percentage. He now has one point in his last 11 games. And when you consider his overall production, which his shooting percentage has remained the same, that he's on pace for just 30, a 20-point drop-off from the 50 that he scored last season. Is this a sophomore slump or is this more than that?
3: Thank <laughs> you. It's a mix of a few things. For sure, it is a sophomore slump. Last year, he went out there and put 50 points up, and I don't think anyone expected that type of output. Um, but this is a guy, I went back and looked at my scouting notes on this prospect when he was drafted, and I was very high on him. I thought he could have been maybe the third best prospect in that draft. I know it was kind of surprising when he went to Detroit, but it was mostly because of how good he was in his own zone. And I thought that this was a guy that, obviously, he's got the size. He's six foot four, over 200 pounds. He can throw hits, and he can produce offense. But when he was playing in Germany, I felt like he was at his best when he was in his own zone shutting guys down and I, I feel like last year when he was able to show that offensive ability that was a huge bonus but then I've seen it like just watching him play recently Ben Sherratt and it feels like he's having to take over a lot of what Sharat probably should be doing and he's almost playing the role of two different players at the same time and uh, you know Sherratt <laughs> maybe not the right pairing guy uh, given what we've seen this year but uh, I think they need someone who can Play a bit more defensive, grounded game, and let Sider just kind of stay more comfortable. And I feel like just the way the Detroit blue line is kind of set up, I don't think that's happening. And we're seeing Philip Peronick who's playing great, and I think we know we that what he's capable of. He's always put up a lot of points, um, but that's kind of more what we expect from Sider, and we're not seeing that because I feel like Sider's having to do a, too, a bit too much. But yeah, it's obviously not as good as it was last year. He's not producing points. He's he doesn't even look as comfortable moving the puck. But I'm not too concerned yet at this point.
4: It's interesting the way you describe the position and the ideal pair, because I would think, you know, if you were to take the nameplate off or, or even think about it from a conceptual perspective, Ben sherat and and his typical style of play would theoretically be a perfect fit to play with someone like Cider. And it just hasn't worked out to this point in the season. But uh, the Red Wings, nonetheless, are hanging tough in the playoff race, three points back of the final wildcard spot. We talked to their coach, Derek Lalonde, who, by the way, is now 2-0 and against his former team in the Tampa Bay Lightning this season. And he said the success for the Red Wings this year would be playing meaningful games in March. Yes or no question, they're certainly on the path to doing that, but do they make the playoffs?
3: I don't, and that's okay. I still think this is a team that's building towards the future where they had to build a prospect base very quickly. It was like three or four years ago. They, it was looking ugly. If you look in the pipeline, and Joe Valeno and Philip Zadina were the top two guys, and Zadina hasn't really turned out the way he, he, we were hoping, and, and Veleno has... Again, not really been an impact player so they've really had to grow this into a competitive team very quickly so if they don't make it this year i don't think that's a problem um but obviously i think they're playing they're playing better than i thought and and they're showing some promising signs they got a good future i just don't think they're there yet
4: yeah so let's talk uh, as we get down to our final shows of the calendar year to take a look back at some of the bargain buys from the beginning of the season the best of uh the off-season bargain bin buys that some of these teams made so if you were to look at some rosters and you can do an easy search on cap friendly in terms of value per point and things like that who stands out to you as the best bargain bet that teams made this offseason
3: well for me it's Elias samsonov and that was kind of the guy i was circling at the beginning of the year he goes out there signs a 1.8 million dollar deal not worth a lot but he was a guy that we knew from an early age he was going to be something pretty special and it didn't really work out in Washington, Washington. It didn't seem like he played one good game and he'd be the backup the next game and he couldn't build the momentum. And then Vanacek just outplayed him. It seemed like it got to his head because the guy that would usually make these great saves was missing goals that he definitely should have stopped. Um, I think when you go into toronto this year and you look at their goaltending you got matt murray and you got samson off two guys coming off of tough seasons looking for something to prove and i think that was the motivation those two needed to really impress they've both been great top 10 goalies this year samson off's top five in a few analytical categories which you know, he's only played 12 games, but if he was playing at a starter's pace, we'd be talking potentially about a Vezina Trophy candidate right now, um, given some of his advanced stats. So he's come in there, he's done exactly what he needs to do, and now you got to wonder what his next contract's going to look like. But if I'm Toronto, I'm making sure he's there.
4: Yeah, I and I was right with you at the beginning of the year saying this is going to be one of the true value buys of the season. And he's certainly played to that level. The interesting thing is, as good as the Leafs' goaltending has been, in the first third of the season, we were also talking about Jack Campbell being a Vezina candidate at this exact moment in time mm-hmm. one year ago. And we all know how that ended up. So it goes to show you how much time is left to be played in this season and how quickly things can change, especially at the goaltending position, not just year to year, but also within the season. Consistency is key. Murray and Samsonov have both been that for the Maple Leafs. For me, the guy that really stands out and in, in, in a lowercase way is Dominic Kubalik, and going back to the Detroit Red Wings. When you look at their, their hierarchy in terms of the points that have been produced this year for that Red Wings team, I mean, look, it, they're in a spot where what they were able to get out of Kubelik for just 2.8 million bucks, you know, he's a guy that sort of, he didn't fall out of favor, but I think a lot of people in Chicago looked at him as sort of a one-dimensional player. If he's not scoring, what's he doing for your team? And to step in at that price pump in 10 goals in the first third of the season and 26 points. He's a guy that wasn't really sought after, teams weren't clamoring to get, and just looks like a smart pickup for the Detroit Red Wings and no risk uh, bet. And now as a guy that uh, also is a pending UFA whenever his contract ends, that they're going to have to make a decision at some point, is this guy going to be part of our future or not? Unheralded, but certainly has done the job in Detroit we've been handing out some stocking stuffers all week Stephen, and uh it's been fun to go through each of the divisions and today up we're going to hand out some holiday joy to the pacific division i'll go first i am going to give a i don't know if it can fit this is how big the bottle of wine would need to be into a stocking but Buy uh, Bruce Boudreau, the president of hockey operations in Vancouver, a big bottle of uh, whatever he's into, whether it's an Italian Brunello or uh, a Bordeaux <laughs> from France, whatever it is, make it fancy because he's earned it. That's been a full-fledged uh, f- you know, five-alarm fire in Vancouver. He's in a circus off the ice. There be a ton of heavy lifting involved when he got into this role uh, last season, but to think that it's gone the way that it has probably even caught a veteran like him by surprise. They've got a ton of big decisions to make, and as they work their way through this holiday roster freeze, Stephen, I think it's really time to think big picture for the Canucks and where they're heading in a five to seven year view. It can't be about patching over this team and roster anymore and trying to get them into a playoff spot. It has to be thinking, how can we move the pieces around this board, whether it's keeping two, three, four of these guys to really put ourselves in a position for long term success. And I think they should have to be considering and putting everything on the table uh to have those types of discussions. And I believe that's what is starting to occur inside the Canucks front office. But who are you handing out a stocking stuffer to in the Pacific?
3: Well, I'm going big budget and I'm going the entire Anaheim Ducks fan base. This is a team where I've been really high on the Canucks, or the, the Ducks future. You look at it, you got Troy Terry, Trevor Zegras, Mason McTavish, uh, Sam Steele for a little bit, and, and you go out there Max Jones, I really was hoping would be something, Maxime Comtois. are a lot of good young players, and when you look at what John Gibson was able to do, kind of in his prime, I think there was a lot of hope for the future. This team was going to be built to start winning, and maybe I was a bit optimistic, but this is one where you look at troy Terry, he's not playing at the super duper pace he was doing last year trevor zegras has kind of fallen off compared to what we thought we think he was going to take big steps he is not uh mctavish i was i was really high on him as the potential calder trophy uh winner and while it's still a pretty decent race that he could still kind of insert himself into uh he has not been as good as i, I thought to the point where i was wondering when he was playing four flying like could he have played at the world juniors this year um so I still think the Ducks have one of the most exciting young prospect uh, groups in the league. There's some really good ones. Owen Zellweger will play very important minutes with uh, Canada at the upcoming World Juniors. But uh, it's just, they're not there yet. And to watch them play, it's painful because you look at it and there's talent. And there's some players that you could really build a base around and nothing's clicking. I don't know how you fix that. Maybe you just got to wait a little longer. But
4: right now, it's, it's a hard team to watch uh, anytime they hit the ice so what are you handing out in terms of a stocking stuffer is it because of their youth are you giving everyone little pez dispensers what are you dropping into their stocking i'm going i don't know what's the what's the, absinthe
3: i'm going to pick the 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 heaviest oh, I to find every okay. huh. so yeah, you just I'm want them hardcore. to
4: black out and and have delusional thoughts about where they can head next i, I want right. them I, to somehow skip to like two years from now. okay well that's that's certainly the uh cocktail of choice to get there let's get to uh this week's edition of the next wave where we're going to dive in with some more world junior championship preview which is just around the corner on boxing day
2: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss.
4: That is our prospect analyst, Stephen Ellis, back for World Junior Preview Part 2 on the next wave, which is delivered by DoorDash. So, Stephen, when you take a look at this tournament, I think the big thing everyone wants to know, in addition to how does Team Canada look, which we already discussed, is This U.S. roster looks pretty solid as well. We kind of get into this debate when we were looking at some World Cup 2024 rosters just recently. And you look at this U.S. team and you say, the big question, can they win it all? They fell in the quarterfinal last year with a really strong team. What are you expecting this year from the Americans?
3: This is a team that I feel like it, it, it's a slightly different team from the last year, but I feel like it's more refined and, and better suited for a longer run. The, my big concern is in net. Kanan Mabranco Br- Br- is the starting goalie. Trey Augustine, another 2023 uh, draft prospect is going to be there to push some starts, but I, I the, the issue there was the goaltending was terrible when it mattered last year. And, you know, like Mabarenko actually had some of the better stats in the round robin, but then just fell apart against the Czechs. So they need the goaltending to be good. But I think this year, when you look at the defense, this might be the strongest defense core uh, of the tournament and one of the strongest uh, we've seen in a long time where you're looking at Luke Hughes and Lane Hudson, two of the best two-way defensemen uh, in their age group. And then you've got a lot of other guys there that could be shutdown guys who can contribute offense and can kind of do a lot that's very important up front i think the big thing here is everyone's very familiar with themselves uh you look at that top line they all played together in the u.s national development team program cooley Goche, snugger root all have played really well this year that's very important Chaz lucius is back from injury he missed uh summer training camp was in a non-contact uh, jersey but it looks like he's ready to go so that's a huge boost because he's been good in the ahl uh and the one name i'm really watching is actually jackson blake where uh his, his dad's jason blake and I'm not sure I had him even close to making this roster a few months ago, but he's been so good in the NCAA this year, which is important. And uh, a couple of really important draft prospects to watch, Charlie Strammel, who is just just—he's uh, a human wrecking ball out there, and Gavin Brindley, who is the complete opposite. He's much smaller, um, but very skilled and plays on the same team that Adam phelan does at uh, University of Michigan. So getting to see him play with some quality uh, teammates. But um, I think this American team... Definitely is going to battle for gold. I think they they're definitely going to get a medal and I'll share who my picks are later, but I, I'm liking USA for sure.
4: Okay, I'm keeping an eye on Tyler Boucher, the Ottawa Senators pick number 10 overall. I think you know his transition from the NCAA to OHL, a lot of people raised an eyebrow at that. Can he get back to being the sort of Tom Wilson type heat-seeking missile that a lot of people thought he might be when the Sens picked him in that spot? Let's see where his game is at in this World Junior Championship. What about Finland? They're so consistently good at just about every level. How does this Finnish team stack up this year?
3: The the Finns don't have a ton of super high end talent and that's pretty much why I think they're going to get a medal no matter what because they don't need high end talent. They got teams that just work so hard. They got good structure and great goaltending. the goaltending is a bit of a concern for me. At who's going to be that number one guy? But I think both can do it. In Nicholas Kako and Aku Kasenvenko, uh, Seattle and uh, Vancouver prospects, uh, respectively. But uh, I think some the, the fact that this team is going to be very good depth wise this year offensively is is important. Uh, Brad Lambert is coming in here after just. You know a terrible world junior last year but he's playing well in the ahl this year Was very good in the preseason with the winnipeg jets uh i think oliver kapanen might be one of the more exciting european prospects right now and punch all canadians prospect i don't think a lot of people were talking about him beforehand but he's doing uh just great things this year uh you look at uh, joachim kamel who's one of the probably better goal scorers uh from the the last draft so uh this team's going to have a lot of scoring options and i do expect him to play for a medal i think Right now, the best rivalry in hockey is Canada versus Finland. They continue to find each other at different levels, whether it be World Championship, Women's World Championship, Under-18s, U-20. And I do think these two teams are going to have a big clash at some point in this tournament.
4: Okay, what about the best of the rest? Are any of the smaller sort of non-traditional hockey powers? Slovakia has been back on the map in recent years. Quite a turnaround for that federation and program. Could they make some noise?
3: Absolutely. Slovakia, for me, is the team to watch uh, as that third group where they're not going to have Juraj Slavkowski, at least they're not expected to, but they're going to have Filip Mishar, they're going to have Saravich, uh Petrovsky, they're going to have Adam Sokora. Hopefully he did get injured against Canada, but then they also got Simon Nimic and that's a very important one there. I think the, the thing about Slovakia is they were able to bring up to 16 players from that last team in the summer. So that familiarity is good. I think their goaltending is actually pretty solid. There's no clear number one favorite yet. Um, but I think that all three of the guys they have could be the number one and, and could thrive. Um, so they're going to be a hard team to play against because they have something like seven or eight guys that are six foot three or taller. That's, a tough team to play against at this age group where there's still guys still growing uh so i think that they're the team to watch as as a third place uh team in the group and i think when you
4: get the crossover if they're playing sweden i think they give sweden a run for their money okay so boil it all down for me give me some of your bracketology give me your metal picks and starting with bronze starting with the bronze i am going to go with finland and
3: i think that just kind of the way it's going to work out i think usa is going to have the advantage in the in the group play and that's going to put them in the higher slot which would just if canada and usa win their groups it'll be canada versus uh finland going uh that's how that would work in the quarterfinals or semifinals and Finland will come third that's my prediction
4: Got it. All right. Uh, The action gets underway. 2023 World Junior Championship, December 26th, Boxing Day from Halifax and Moncton out in the Maritimes. Looking forward to seeing all of it in uh, watching it, all of it here in the U.S. on NHL Network and in Canada on TSN. Thanks to Stephen for our second day of World Junior Championship. Preview has been delivered by DoorDash. You see the promo codes there at the bottom of your screen. Game day 25 gets you 25% off and free delivery on your first order of $15 or more on the DoorDash app. All your favorites and more delivered right to your door by DoorDash. My internet connection broke up there for a second. Did I miss your gold medal pick, Stephen? My gold medal pick, Canada. Canada. Silver medal USA. That's I, I, so what I thought you got to, but I wasn't sure. So I, my connection broke up. Apologies for that. Let's get to our daily face-off inbox question of the day from Johnny, who's clearly a Devils fan. As he says, the Devils have leveled off after a scorching hot start. Where do you see them going forward? Up, down, level off, and stay in the playoffs? What say you, Steven? I think they're definitely a playoff team. And, you know, I... Uh, I think that that
3: run we saw where they almost set a franchise record in wins was kind of unsustainable, obviously. Uh, but getting uh, having Mackenzie Blackwood kind of back in there should help at least the goaltending where you can kind of rely on him to be uh, your decent backup at this point. Uh, and maybe he goes out there and starts fighting for more starts. But um, this was a Devils team where. I before the year, I was like, uh, maybe a playoff team, but you're seeing Jack Hughes doing what he's doing, Jesper Bratz, but a point per game player. And while he's maybe not at the same rate he was at the start of the year, he's still playing fantastic. Uh, They're getting some good depth from this team. Uh, So, yeah, I'm saying they're still a playoff team. I don't think they go far, but they'll be there.
4: Yeah, I agree with you. I think they're for sure a playoff team. It it just comes down to math. That run really helped them. And you've seen the the Carolina Hurricanes slide past them now in the Metropolitan Division standings. The big thing is during that streak, they were getting the goaltending and it's really struggled of late. Vitek Vanacek, his last six games, 1-2-2 two and two with an eight sixty four save percentage. You mentioned Mackenzie Blackwood now back and healthy. Hopefully he can carry the ball for them for a bit, but I still see them getting in. I don't know how much damage they're going to do, but still even making that step forward for this team with the young stars. With the seasons that they've had is certainly a big improvement for a devil's team which has made the playoffs just one time in the last 12 years let's get to our daily face off points bet daily bet segment and bring in mr tyler yaramchuk tyler uh, big night for you last night uh at the uh nation network holiday christmas party oh, yeah. and certainly you are in the spirit um and we're in the spirits but uh how'd you do last night on the gambling front
0: it was good back-to-back days of going two for two here so it's nice to get a little cash in the pocket around christmas time good to finally hopefully have kind of my first hot streak of the year so let's see if we can keep it rolling tonight the slate that's brought to you by our friends at points back canada starting with that matchup at the top between the islanders and the rangers and i like the rangers in this one not getting greedy though just take them on the money line the payouts not great at minus 165 but the Rangers are starting to heat up even though they did lose their last game they were on a nice winning streak the Islanders kind of cooling off a little bit here the Islanders have won the last two meetings between these two teams but I think the Rangers are due for a a victory in this rivalry matchup I'm also taking the Artemi Panarin shot prop because he's hit it in four of his last five games and at the bottom there Seattle taking on Vancouver I'm going with over six and a half goals Between those two sides, paying out minus 105. I think this is a really nice spot for the Canucks. You look at it and you go, ah, you know, they've only hit this in four of their last 10. What's the thinking here? But in another four of those games, the total has sat at exactly six goals. And it's actually a pretty similar story with the Seattle Kraken as well, where a lot of their games seem to end right at six. I think taking these two teams, we're going to get at least seven tonight. Their goaltending hasn't been great of late. So I'm going with the over in this matchup as well. And you know what? There's an afternoon hockey game on a Thursday. You know me, Frank. I got to get a little bit of action in on this. Give me the Austin Matthews shot prop set at four and a half.
4: Yeah, you can't, uh, can't avoid it. I love to see it. Uh, by the way, I wanted to ask you, it's December 22nd. We know that November ended uh, 22
0: days ago. So <laughs> what's going on with the Muzzy? Why do you still have one? It was gone for a while, but as you alluded to off the top, I had a bit of a late night yesterday, had a bit of a sleep-in day today. That's not one day of growth. Come on. (laughs) Get out of here. That's like three weeks
4: of growth for you. No,
0: no, it's not.
4: (laughs) All right, well, we'll see if you can come back in the new year clean-shaven, and we'll see you tomorrow before then for one more show. Thanks to Tyler Ramchuk for our Points Bet Daily Bet segment. That brings us to garbage time, Stephen. By the way, a quick schedule update in case you missed the news with the winter storm expected to ravage uh, the eastern seaboard over the next few days. Friday's Detroit at Ottawa game has been postponed. We shared with you yesterday that – Uh, The Lightning and the Sabres on Friday night has also been postponed. Godspeed to anyone who bought tickets and was flying in for those games over the holidays, I feel for you, and anyone trying to get anywhere over the holiday season. But that brings us to garbage time, Stephen, and uh, typically I would cede the floor to you. But I wanted to give a little love to NHL referee Garrett Rank who has clearly gotten himself into the Christmas spirit. This audio comes to you from the Vegas Golden Knights radio network, a penalty call as Clayton Keller was heading to the box on Wednesday night in a game between the Yotes and the Golden Knights. Here you go. A
2: cotton swab in his left nostril will get called for a second. Careful what you say, Santa's listening. <laughs> Not even the audio there.
4: But uh, I know we have it teed up somewhere. Alex, any, uh, any luck with the audio file? A cotton swab in his left nostril will get called for a second. Careful what you say,
2: Santa's listening.
4: Good reminder for everyone, Steven. Santa is listening, and Garrett Rank, if you didn't know, not only uh, pretty witty on the mic and on the ice, but a really talented golfer as well. The 34th ranked amateur golfer in the world has qualified for not just the US Open, but also the RBC Canadian Open. So he's got a nice little side gig there when he's not refereeing and officiating hockey games. And uh, I just love the Santa reference. A good lesson to all kids as they're heading to the box in minor hockey.
3: I used to be one that would chirp the refs back. And then it wasn't until I kind of realized how hard of a job it was. Like, maybe I should be nice to the refs, but I didn't care. I still was kind of abusive to them verbally. Uh, I, I, my, my favorite was Cyclops calling them all one.
4: There you go. And, uh, a big lesson for me this year. Coaching is the old live barn camera that hangs over the bench (laughs) in which you can also hear the audio. So, uh, An important reminder for coaches, there are always microphones around, so be careful and uh, keep it clean for Santa because you know he's listening and checking that list of who's naughty and who's nice. We'll be back one more show before the holiday, Friday, 12 noon Eastern. You know where to find us. Until then, thanks a lot for joining us. Thanks to Tyler Remchuk, Stephen Ellis, as well as our head of production, Alex Lard. We'll talk to you on Friday. Until then, enjoy the games and the little afternoon special hockey. Take care, everyone.
0: That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff for the daily winner's